0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply. Wake up!
1: Wake up! Mike Mulligan. Bears, 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 Bears. Football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're
2: wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often. David Haw. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score, the home for Bears fans. what's up, baby? Y'all ready for this? With the 53rd pick of the 2023 draft, Chicago Bears select Javon Dexter, Senior, Florida Gators, D-Type. We are at pick number 56, and the Chicago
3: Bears find themselves back on the clock again. Second pick they've made in just the last few minutes. And here's Devin Hester again.
2: We have some breaking news. The Jacksonville Jaguars have traded a 56th pick to Chicago Bears. With the 56th pick in 2023 draft, Chicago Bears select Tyree Stevenson, DB, University of Miami. With the
3: 64th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Zach Pickens, defensive tackle, South Carolina. But I'm really here to
0: say, Bear down, where are we at Chicago?
2: Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. on 670 The Score. Let's
0: go.
1: Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It's a special draft emergency broadcast, Mr. David. We are jumping in because there is an emergency draft going
2: on for the Chicago Bears. It's an emergency show. Yes, we're glad to be here on the Saturday morning. Did we bring along Devin Hester to do updates? How about him breaking in with that news, with uh, doing a nice job announcing the Bears pick? Mully, the second and third rounds were interesting from the standpoint of the Bears loading up, stocking up, addressing the needs, and there were some other things going on that were not necessarily Bear-related, which was fun at the beginning of the draft. Where do you want to start?
1: Well, I, I you know, I love a, um, a homecoming story, and the idea – that the Pittsburgh Steelers select Joey Porter Jr. with the first pick in the second round, the Bears pick, I might add. We can at least put to bed the idea that uh, they gave a good draft pick to uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They received Chase
2: Claypool for Joey Porter Jr. Well, that's a good place to start because, uh, actually, I'm sure you heard from Bears fans. Bears fans were heard oh, yeah. all over the place yesterday. But after that pick, my brother, who is a season ticket holder and usually a pretty reasonable guy, he texted me and he said, oh, great, we could have had Joey Porter Jr. and we get Chase Claypool. But that is the either or. Yeah. And when you see the Steelers act the way they did, go after their guy, that's a great pick. And Joey Porter Jr., remember on – Thursday night it was he was interviewed and he said well which one of your family members is going to cry if you get picked and he's like my mom I bet you his dad was in tears what an emotional moment the son going to the team of the father that was great yeah and I, you know I don't know that they had a choice like I don't
1: think they could have <laughs> traded that pick I don't think they could have taken anyone else there would have been there they'd have lit the the uh, uh the the uh the the torches and marched on the Steeler. you got it when you have that chance and you, a player that quality you got to do it and they did it so congrats you got to do
2: it yeah they would have been uh there would have been chaos at promonte brothers if they not have, <laughs> if they would not have taken joey porter jr with that pick and then molly one pick later before we get to what the bears yeah. did finally will levis up off the couch good and spot. he goes to the yep. titans good good spot for him don't you think I think so because, you know, he doesn't have a lot of pressure on him right. necessarily. He's going to be somebody they can develop. You, They've now got some very interesting quarterbacks in that room, and you go to a, an organization that can groom you, can bring you along. You figure they're going to focus on running the football. Will Levis, you know, geographically will have some fans in Tennessee just because of the proximity to Lexington and where he played college football at Kentucky. And thank goodness – Thank goodness we didn't have to spend another draft night watching him grimace and groan and then just go through another difficult night of waiting.
1: I I just think that that's a a very good franchise. He's not, as you say, he's not under immediate pressure. He will be the guy eventually. He goes in with a a great kid from Northwestern, local guy made good in Peter Skaronsky. So he's got protection and he's got a friend. Uh, I I think it's a really good spot for him. And, And he's from you know, the southern part of the country. So I guess Nashville, maybe that's fun for him.
2: Yeah, and so he's got the traits, and he's also got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, and you don't mind Always that. Good. Always good. Everybody that got drafted last night in the second and third rounds, we'll talk about the Bears' picks. There's going to be a reason why they weren't first-rounders, and in their minds they were in in terms of at one point in time something happened along the way. To that, so Will Levis goes to Tennessee, got a little something to prove, and he's in a good spot to prove it.
1: You know, the other element is, and you're very correct here, Mr. David. The there is no such thing as the perfect prospect, right? So everybody's got a little something that they got to deal with. Everyone, I don't care how clean a guy is, well, he's not quick twitch enough. Yeah, but he's the best player. he's got to he's got he's to twitch up his quick. Um, I I think with the Bears' draft picks—they got a couple defensive tackles. Uh, I know that uh, that uh, Ryan Poles believes they can go inside outside. Um, you know, there there are some that guy doesn't play every down. That guy. There's the same argument about love of the game and where, in the second round that you have with some guys in the first round, but it's a completely different part of the draft, and you're allowed to kind of say, well, you know that once they learn the hits principle by memory, and it's not that hard, it's hits, H-I-T-S, they'll be working hard and they'll be hitting and intense and they'll be
2: taking the ball away and playing smart situational football. Well, every round that you go deeper into the draft, that kind of narrative and those kinds of descriptions are going to be more pronounced. And you're going to hear it all day today. The Bears have five more picks. The fourth round begins at 11 o'clock. And you're going to hear with every pick – uh, a description of somebody who is either recovering from an injury, overcoming this adversity, was discounted yep. and discarded here or there or transferred three times yep. and now here he is. So that's the kind of mentality you take into the draft and as as it pertains to the Bears what they were able to do in the three guys that they got for the defense was turn to the biggest need and after you take a defensive or an offensive tackle in round 1 and Darnell right you had to, as we described yesterday, you had a mandate to address your defensive line, and that's exactly where they, what they did, and they did it twice out of three times they had an opportunity to, and they added a cornerback for good measure.
1: Yeah, and, and, I mean, they traded up for the corner, and, um, and they were aggressive in that trade-up. They gave up quite a bit, but they were getting in front of a team. It seemed like they wanted to get to the Giants and make sure that they got the corner. There were uh, corners going off the board, and they – Made their move for the specific player who uh, I'm sure fits whatever their prof- profile is for a guy. So you know when you see that, when you see a team specifically go after a player because of uh, what they determined to be need, I think you're you know you're less likely to start counting all the pennies. But I think the downside is maybe they will now start uh, trying to get some uh, draft capital back. And they may do that in the beginning of the round. Uh, they may trade that first overall selection of the fourth round when there's a certain player from Northwestern who uh, we've talked about before that would be a really nice uh, but difficult to pronounce player. Well, let's say it together now, Mark. Mo- Adetumwa, There we go.
2: There we go. I said Warray. it with Fitz. Adam yes. Warray. Got it right. You said it with Fitz. Right. That was I think me. we should start calling him Double A. How about that?
1: No, I think we I think he's he's Tommy, right? Didn't we hear Tommy? Well oh, he said Tommy. Fitz said Tommy. Fitz I'm said with Tommy. Fitz. Let's Although, I like double A. Okay. Well, well I mean okay. Dustin, Dustin, Dustin you don't I, have to are spell Are you it. going are you going to a meeting if you like double A so much? <laughs> I made it here on time today. <laughs> it was an Alcoholics Anonymous reference. I think there are too many double A's. Baseball, uh, you know, isn't there like some kind of can you pick my car up and help me? Isn't that double I don't that's Triple-A. Triple-A. A. I, I knew it was said, some A. Says a- the man a- with no N-C-O. car trouble. Yeah. yeah. Double-A is, uh, is where you find Garrett Crochet, I think. I'm not sure. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Double-A
2: is a good idea. Double-A, the level of baseball played on the south side.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there you go. Sorry. That's a yeah. shot. No, this no. This is a draft special, not a, not a White
1: no, Sox no. special. You can go yeah. back. They're, you know, they're all, all right. well-earned. They're all well-earned. And you know what? <laughs> Frankly, if you want to, David, put it on me. Put it on me. <laughs> I will put it on
2: you. That's it, and you'll share it with Rick Hahn. No, but, but Put it we'll on talk... anyone.
1: We'll put okay. It, put it somewhere.
2: All right. Put it on me. Back. Back to the emergency draft show. Oh, okay. so we are in an emergency situation. We this is an emergency. We need to take this thing seriously, Molly, because the Bears they at. The 53rd overall pick in the second round, they took Gervon Dexter. Am I yes. saying that right? Gervon Dexter, the yep. defensive tackle from Florida, six six three ten. And then they moved up, as you said, Tyreek Stevenson, the cornerback from Miami, second uh, round, 56 overall. And then in the third round, they doubled down on the defensive line. Zach Pickens from North, South Carolina, the defensive tackle, 64th overall, six 6'4", four They've got some big men up front now, interchangeable parts, I think, and we'll just see. They they say they need waves of defensive linemen, and this is part of, you know, supplying that kind of depth that Ryan Poles thinks that he needs.
1: Yes. Um look, uh, I got no problem with them doing what they feel they've got to do, right? At at uh at different spots in the draft. Um I like that they got to their greatest position of need. I like that they, you know, we talked about it. You know, they listen, there are, there'll be some edge edge rushes as you move forward. They got a couple picks today. These are big picks because this is still an area in the draft where you can find immediate help. As you start getting, I mean, and by that I, I don't mean necessarily day one starters, but certainly rotation pieces. And maybe they need a pass rusher, maybe there's some edge guy that they've had an eye on that they like. But whatever it is they need, once you start getting into sixth and seventh round picks, you're 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 basically a hope and a prayer. I mean, you can hit on those guys. You know, John Randall was an undrafted free agent and made the Hall of mm-hmm. Fame. You can hit on mm-hmm. guys. It's just it's a bit unusual to uh to find them the further and deeper you go into the draft.
2: So we'll talk about priorities today as we get through the show. We got a great show planned with a lot of different uh guys in terms of experts uh on on uh Tennessee tackle offensive lineman, Darnell Wright. We're gonna talk to Jimmy Hyams who covers Tennessee. We're gonna mm. talk to Dan Weederer. And we're going to talk to uh, another our lads guest later in the show. But, Mully, I wonder what you think the priorities should be today. The Bears pick in the fourth round, 103rd and 133rd pick. They've got a fifth rounder, only one because of what they did to move up to draft Stevenson, and then two in the seventh. Do you think that there's room for a quarterback? Do you think that there's room for a running back? Or are you thinking, edge rusher, go defense, stay up front, and and address your priorities? Um,
1: you know, I was just looking this morning at the players that are left on the board, right? So, um, you know, our our guy Tommy Double uh, A looks like good value at the first pick of that draft. But it seems like Ryan Poles wants to get more. Uh, he wants to he wants to load up a little. So this is a good pick because everyone's had the overnight. Everyone's gone through their board. Everyone has an idea of. Uh, of who's available, and, it, and it's it, you know it's obviously not like having the the first pick of the second round, and the first pick of the third round is ongoing while you're while you're uh, uh, doing stuff. But good God, you know the first pick. Whenever you've had a night off to look at it, you can reassess everything that you've got to have from your team, and then you can look at it, you know there could well be a value pick. Somebody on their board. That you know you can you can veer off position. I guess what I'm saying. We know what their need is. Um, you know maybe they pick up a center. Although a lot of those guys went yesterday. Maybe they maybe they want to get that edge guy. Maybe they want to get more help on that defensive line. You can never have enough. Go ask uh, Philadelphia. They keep doubling down on that, and it's working. Um, but I think if there is a player that that um, that you like, this is the time in the draft. If there's a guy that is falling and that you have uh, rated higher, you can go ahead and and veer from what we
2: believe to be, you know, start at the ball and work your way out. You can do that at this point. And it bears remembering that last year, not to overstate his impact because he started strong and maybe hit the rookie wall a little bit, but they found Dominic Robinson at this stage of the draft in the fifth round from Miami of Ohio. He was a project. He was a guy that slipped for a lot of different reasons, Sure, but he was athletic enough to play. At the NFL level, I don't want to overstate his you know, presence or significance. But you know what? That's the kind of guy that they will draft today. Somebody who projects has great traits, as you will hear. And we know from these three picks, Molly, Ryan Poles is a traits guy. He may like a lot of the things about football character, but these two defensive tackles are traits guys, and you look at Tyreek Stevenson, he's a physical cornerback. There's some things. He left Georgia for Miami. You might have had some questions, but he's a traits guy as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe every general manager deep down really is, but these three picks, as much as anything, underscores that.
1: Yeah, I think so. I I think that you know the other thing is he's he's drafting via need. I mean, he needs – to, uh, to get certain players, but, you know, the, okay, so you think about the top players that are available overall, and I'm just looking based on position, cornerback, defensive end, offensive tackle. Is, is this a spot you take an inside linebacker even though you seem pretty good there, right? No um, I, I a running back, the other running back from Texas, the wrong running back from Texas. <laughs> uh, you know there, there are there, like again, a guard, a center there there are other positions that haven't been rampaged quite uh, as much as, uh, as some of the top guys and how about tight end? You start looking at depth. Um, you know that's an interesting one. I'm not sure. Maybe toward the bottom of the round, but I, I don't think there's anybody that I would jump in and say this
2: has to be the guy in this round. Let me ask you this, going back to the start of the third round, second round yesterday, mm-hmm. when we were watching and waiting and talking about Michael Mayer who had waited on, yes. on uh, Thursday night to get drafted and he, and he wasn't drafted. And with the third pick of the second round, the Lions – take Sam Laporta from Iowa, yeah. and you wondered what effect. I'm like, Sam Laporta from Iowa over Michael Mayer? Now, I know a lot of guys will say and hear this and say, well, geez, Iowa, they can produce a tight end as well, but Notre Dame kind of prided itself as tight end you. I was surprised they went that route and they didn't take Mayer, and then one pick later the Vegas Raiders did, yeah. and I wonder what that will do. It'll be interesting to see how those two careers are on parallel tracks and what one does in comparison to the other.
1: I thought that Mayor, um, I thought you you couldn't feel too bad because only one tight end went in the first round, and right. then you figured he was going to go fairly high in the in the second round. And as you say, that you know uh, Laporta, Sam Laporta goes first. He's like, and I don't know that this is the case, but maybe some of the George Kittle stuff. You know, there was this idea that this guy is the George Kittle. Uh, you know, this year's George Kittle and all. Because they both went to Iowa and you're from the Millen. Sometimes people fall in love with, and I want to tell you, David, sometimes people fall in love with the story as much as the player, right? And as much as the, it's just like a really fun story. Uh, I, I knew a lot of people that liked Sam Laporta when I was talking to him, but I, I, everyone I spoke to had mayor ahead of him.
2: Well, I think what you're really saying too is that you would rather be compared to George Kittle than Cole Komet. ha <laughs> ha. Cole Komet's a solid player. Cole Komet He's a went, solid player. He went. George Kidd a
1: star. He did nothing, and then all of a sudden he started catching some touchdowns last year. Remember at the point where we were like, yeah, the guy's not caught a touchdown, then all of a sudden he gets that done, and hopefully he continues. You know, this is a big wow. year for Cole Komet. Whenever a guy's entering his third year it's when you really expect them to start popping, and I thought he did pretty well at points last year, and now with more weaponry. I think they're in good shape with Colt Comet, and that's why, yeah, you can use a tight end, but I don't know if there aren't other positions you could use ahead of them. And But, again, there's no such thing as a fourth-round bust, right? I mean, right. it happens, but usually the guy has already fallen, and there's a reason for that, so you go in with your eyes wide open.
2: Yeah, I just wonder if with the trading of the fifth-round pick to move up to get Stevenson, if the yep. Bears – As I have talked about and we have discussed leading up to the draft, I wanted them to get a quarterback today. I wanted them to take a chance on a guy stylistically similar to to Justin Fields, and I just don't know if they traded that opportunity away, which is fine with me because I like Stevenson. We'll talk about how he fits, Mm -hmm. but, Molly, I don't know if that's a luxury the Bears can afford They'll probably go the undrafted free agent route to get the quarterback who will be added to the depth chart to hold a clipboard.
1: Yeah, I, I'm just looking at Jimmy's uh, draft chart to see uh, what the value of that – what it was? It was a five-spot move up, right, to 56? Mm-hmm. So 61 50, to 56. So yep. that would be 61 is uh, – you know, there's a difference of um, – wait a minute, i got to do math. Hold and on. they gave
2: the 136th overall pick to yeah, the Jaguars the, the to, 100th, for the chance to the, move up.
1: The 136th pick is – they gave up a little bit on that deal by. I was surprised by this. Yeah. they gave up a little bit. They gave up a you know a
2: nice, uh, a chunk uh, there, but, but and, and and they need those picks. But you know what else that tells me? They're counting on this young man to contribute, and it also is a message to the other cornerbacks in that room that he's here to play. Yeah, and yeah. They lined up, Jalen David Johnson. Yeah, how many guys did they line up at corner last year? They
1: went through tons of them. They could, you know. They finally settled on, on Kyler Gordon as kind of their slot guy, and he would play and then move to the slot. You still need someone to come in and play an outside corner spot for them. So I think there's, I think there's a lot uh, to go along with that that we've got to kind of break down. But the very fact that they liked him enough to go get him and try to be aggressive about it should indicate that they think he's going to be all right.
2: We'll yes, absolutely. He's got some talent. He's got some traits. He started at Georgia, ended at Miami, and he's coming to Chicago to compete and act, contribute as a rookie, I think. And next year you'll see that. 312, 644, 6767. I'm going to ask
1: you what position you would take if it was, regardless of player, what spot do you feel they still have to fill? Today And this is it, kids. This is the last chance at it. We're going to see what they do with the first pick. We'll be here for that. We're going to be here uh, all morning for you. We'll be here until uh, 11 o'clock at noon. I guess we leave at noon. And then what happens? I believe uh, uh, Hub is on with, uh, I believe Mark Grody is on. And we've got uh, Gabe, Ramirez. Uh, Gabe Ramirez joining Gabe, them. That is yeah, Gabe's be fun. in the mix. It's so going to be got, a fun day. And we'll take you right up to the start of the Cubs game. Here on the score, it's Mully and Haw, emergency draft show, Chicago Sports Radio.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the twelve precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: Mornings with Mully and Ha on 670 The Score. Brian, what's your comfort level right now with the pass rush as it is?
1: Yeah, I think we got better. I think with this rotation of guys on the inside, to penetrate from the inside, but also dent the pocket and create shorter edges on the outside for our our DNs should help them. Um, We're younger, more athletic, faster, close the burst is going to be way better, so um, we're heading in the right direction. You know, I'm not sure. At the end of the day, this is on paper, so uh, we got to see it in action and let it play out and we'll go from there. Molly and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. We are having an emergency draft broadcast because uh, the draft is ongoing and it is an emergency that we speak through these things. And we we should let you know the score's draft coverage is brought to you by Revolution Solar, proud partner of the Chicago Bears.
2: So I wake up this morning, get up, turn on the television, went to the NFL Network, and usually on Saturdays, obviously it's inside the clubhouse. I'm getting – turn on the MLB Network to try to get a little preparation going, and I turn on the NFL Network, and my wife is, you know, getting breakfast and everything, and she's like, what, is the draft today again? When does this thing end? And it's that that's the way some people feel. I love it. You know, we could do it every day. But there is a sense that it goes on for a while, and it is a great – it's a great television uh, event, and it's great drama. Well, I, you know, here's the deal. Um, I asked you before the
1: break if you had a team that you wanted to – or if you had a position that you wanted to see the Bears fill. You know, you can't fill them all in two days. Just You've got to you gotta have that third day. You need all the right. rest of it. Did you tell your wife it used to go
2: like 12 rounds? I did. I said, you know what? It could be worse. It could be a four day event. And it used to be longer than it is now. Even if it feels like it's going on forever, because I think her fears like today that, you know, well, we're going to still have to watch this, guys, you know, get the notifications. But yes, it doesn't have to go on forever. But these are some valuable picks that they're making. And today we'll see some more guys have their dreams fulfilled. And the Bears have five opportunities to do that. So you can get good players you can get impact guys it, it doesn't have to just be guys who are roster fillers
1: right and but i think if you if i asked you to name one position where the bears have got to get some talent could you name it for me edge rusher by a mile edge rusher by no doubt about a it mi- the bears the bears had the fewest sacks in the entire league last year and they were led in sacks by a rookie safety Jaquan Brisker with two-and-a-half sacks. And, David, you're yeah. not going to have al Muhammad to kick around anymore.
2: <laughs> and that's why when we come in with that clip from Ryan Poles being asked, how comfortable are you with the the, the, the pass rush? It's surprising his answer wasn't, nah. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been more how
1: appropriate. How can you be? Yeah, I don't, I don't see how they could possibly be. Um, but I, I what I'm saying is, He's you know he wants to sell you on this idea that they've added a couple of players that can play inside or outside. They added two defensive tackles. They added two guys, you know, you can argue about how good they are as run stuffers and maybe that's what he means by inside and outside, but they they are addressing their most serious need, which is the three technique position, the pass rush interior guys on this defensive line. Um they they do not have; they have not helped themselves much at edge rusher. I mean, it is a it's a it's a hard no for me that that, that Travis Gibson, Dominique Robinson, are going to be uh, significantly better than they were a year ago. I think they can be better, but they're not going to step into that role. They got a guy that was a rotational piece in Tennessee who had some sacks, and they schemed them up for him, and and that's an improvement. But they still are are absent the threat on the outside that every team has to have in this day and age of passing
2: quarterbacks. Well, I'm glad that's your focus because that's where it needs to be. And what the Bears did last night was they answered the question, where's the beef? It's on day two of the draft for them. They wanted to stock up and supply depth to the interior, but they still need somebody to harass a quarterback off the edge. Now, Mully, I think that it's an interesting conversation because today – Yeah, you may find somebody like a Dominic Robinson, like a project that's going to be able to rush the passer and make an impact as a rookie. But I want to know, do you think that even though this is going to be a draft centric conversation today, and that's why we're here on a Saturday morning to talk about the draft after the dust settles from three days of drafting and signing the undrafted free agents, Frank Clark, Jadavian Clowney. The free agent's still out there. Dare I say Leonard Floyd? Somebody who is a re- a, a rental, a, a, a pass rush mercenary. Do you think that guy like that will be added to this mix to maybe you know set an example, but also get to the quarterback?
1: You've done it, David. You've triggered Dustin. I saw his head rise up when you <laughs> said those magic words, Leonard Floyd. That is my job. That yeah. is fantastic <laughs> stuff. Um, you know, look, I I don't I I hate to say. That this is the same situation you were in a year ago when you know you had to hire, you had to go out and get a couple mercenaries. Riley Reef, will you be our right tackle eventually when you get when you heal up? And he did okay for them. I, I don't want to diss him. Michael Schofield, well, how about you come back home and just give us some cover because we need starting offensive linemen and it's we're on the eve of training camp. You don't want to be in that position. But to answer that question. Who do you have on this roster that is better than those guys you just mentioned? Who do you have that that has any kind of credential that you would put up against these guys? So either you're you're either drafting that position or you are out on the market trying to add to it because you don't have enough. You do not have a team that can competitively get after the quarterback and help your defense in that fashion. We've said it a thousand times,
2: never, ever has there been a good defense without a good defensive line. And never ever should Ryan Poles be satisfied that after the draft, and we look textures are coming in. I realize you're not going to solve every problem in one off season, especially one this important. But as a stopgap, as as a practical matter, and Ryan Poles is nothing if not practical. I think that you look at what happens next week, the conversation shifts. And you, know, you just talk names. I mean, Frank Clark is out there, Mully. He's a guy who has some Chiefs background with Ryan Poles. He'd be familiar with him. Why wouldn't he make sense to pursue if in fact you well, don't answer the question adequately
1: during yeah, the draft? I can I can answer that question easily. Frank Clark is not a very good regular season player, but he lights it up in the playoffs. So oh. Do you need that with the Bears? Just saying, a guy that's saving it for the playoffs. I don't think well, so. What are these playoffs you speak of? <laughs> I live in Chicago. You okay? know what? <laughs> when you when you stop and look at where they're at and all the work that they've done, I, you know, in response to the texter who says you can't get it all done in one off season, you know, no one's asking them to get it all done in one off season. But you have to be on the road to it. They went out and they redid the linebacker position. Now they've drafted another corner so they look like they they look like the back seven of the defense has a chance right they need to keep working that front four if it has to be in the off season if it has to be for the you know the vets left standing when the music stops then so be it if you got to go out and make a trade uh you know there's there's supposedly a couple pass rushers in uh Washington that could be on the market whatever you got to do you've got to make sure that you can line them up at every position and you got to give every every one of these players their opportunity to be on a decent team i think at the end of last year justin uh, jones his argument was kind of they kind of left us hanging out here and they they right. and everybody every week uh, the bears uh, the, uh, the defensive line stinks the defensive line stinks and you know what the defensive line stinks so if you don't get them help then, you're, then they're just going to be rank-and-file guys trying to step into roles that they're not capable of doing. You need help. You need help on that defensive front
2: so you talked about names and you talked about players and positions and i said edge rusher is number one priority and i think we both agree on that so let's talk about today the bears the fourth round they have the 103rd and the 133rd picks right. if you want me i'll throw out a couple names please and it starts with the one that's hardest to pronounce and it is out of from northwestern everybody can agree that he's probably you know probably one of the top couple players still on the board and he's a hybrid guy but I don't know if he would answer all those questions, Mully, but for a, for a general manager who wants to supply depth to that defensive line, he would make sense. I also, two more names. If the Bears are drafting, I'm not saying right away but at 103, but maybe at 133, Maybe in the fifth round, if Charlie Jones from Purdue is mm. still there, mm-hmm. I think that's a very intriguing wide receiver. He's got some traits, he's got some skills, and he's been in a passing offense. And then the last one, also a difficult name to pronounce, but I love the idea of getting a running back who drops and he has something to prove and runs with a chip on his shoulder. Is he Abba, Abankanda? Is that Abaconda, um, I think, from Pitt. I.A. Another a. guy that's – Dustin says it's I.A. I.A. <laughs> We'll have to ask Wani for his he, pronunciation. He is
1: sentient, because, David. He is
2: artificial intelligence, AI. <laughs> the opposite. But though, that's a guy that gained 320 yards, I think it was, against Virginia Tech. He's a guy that has a lot of production coming out of college. He's a guy that you could see fitting into the depth chart for the Bears.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, go early and often to uh, to the SEC. I think we've seen that. We've seen a lot of SEC players taken. The Bears, um, what, the cornerback played in, uh, in the ACC. But other than that, didn't they, go, they go all uh, – He started in the SEC. SEC. Uh,
2: he, he's got some Georgia yeah. stink on him. Yeah. He left because they he like spent a couple of years hey, there. They like those guys that transfer from Georgia. <laughs> it's right to see, it worked out well. Justin Fields turned out okay so far. And now they've Maybe. got another – Tyreek Stevenson, I wonder, I have to check, I didn't do that kind of deep dive. Did he have any intersection overlap with Justin Fields in Athens, Georgia? I do not know the answer to that question.
1: That's a good one. But the, the SEC, I mean, so I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, like who who is left from Georgia? Who, is there anybody, like any other Georgia guys? And I like that idea, David. Any Georgia transfers out there that you could jump on? Uh, at any spot in the draft. Um Alabama seems to put together some good teams. Uh it, it was so much fun to see uh Nick Saban running there standing with uh, you know my guys about to be taken uh first overall. Now I'm over here because this guy could get taken second and and he went third. It was just it was just funny. I was like, God, can you imagine, like, the Alabama social media? They're just pushing all these kids, you know, come to Alabama, win
2: a title, and get drafted first with Nick on your side. It's the best recruiting tool when you can see your head football coach on a national broadcast for the NFL draft, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's my guy. Oh, yeah, that's my guy, too. And then he's as good as any broadcaster or analyst. uh, uh on the set, this is a guy who's polished, and yeah, Alabama had a very has had a very good draft, but that's no surprise. The SEC is where you find players, and that's certainly where Ryan Poles continues to look.
1: Yeah, and and you know, again, I I think that we we agree that the edge rusher has got to be like a top priority for them, but you know, th- there was talk of them taking a center. A lot of the centers went yesterday. That is one of the great value positions in the NFL. You can. You can actually get centers that aren't drafted and find them starting in the NFL. There's something about uh, the nature of the leadership of that position. Obviously, you want better athletes and bigger guys and all that stuff that he talked about, bigger, faster, stronger, all the stuff he talked about yesterday. But you can find a center that might be able to solve a problem that that you uh, may or may not have. We don't know. You know, part of the mystery to this thing, to me, David, is – we haven't talked at all about any interior linemen. You know, we're kind of of the uh, Tony Wise school of draft the best tackle out there and then when he fails, move him to guard because uh, right. that's the harder position to get. But I think that there, are, this is the part of the draft where a lot of guards are available, centers and guards and some interior linemen. If you want to take another tackle and then move him inside if that has to be there are, different, there are different methodologies of building an offensive line, and you can get some great value on this
2: day, especially at the bottom of that round. You can do that. you got to be careful about not getting too many duplicate parts when you have a roster this thin. But the point's well taken. If you get somebody on the interior that you can develop, we know how much Ryan Poles likes to use day three to stockpile offensive linemen, so wait and see. All right,
1: we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk some SEC. We're going to talk about a certain uh, a certain first round draft pick for the Chicago Bears, the Darnell Wright. We're going to bring in uh, Jimmy Himes. He uh, covers the Vols and the SEC. Has done so for years, and we'll get his take on what he's seeing from uh, the best conference in football and how good is uh, the Bears' new right tackle. We'll uh, talk to Jimmy next. Mullion Hall on the score. <laughs>
3: I think I'm the best tackle probably that just walking the NFL right now. And you'll see, everybody will see eventually. And then you can come back to this interview.
1: Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, that is the voice of Darnell Wright. He was the 10th overall selection by the Chicago Bears in the 2023 draft. They traded down to get him. And uh, we are delighted to welcome in Jimmy Himes. He, of course, the former New Sentinel sports writer, Knoxville sports talk radio host. He uh, recently retired, but he's covered it all and he's covered it forever. And he joins us now on the score hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book Uh, Jimmy, good morning. Thanks for jumping on and, um, happy Rocky top or whatever the greeting. Good morning, guys. Uh, thank you for having me. So, uh, Darnell Wright declared himself the best tackle in the draft, which is a gutsy thing to do. Uh, the bears went there, they worked him out and apparently they they really went, uh, to work with them with the, with the offensive line coach. And they loved the way the kid reacted. They loved the way he worked. Uh, I saw in the draft night they said he has typewriter feet, which uh, would come in mighty handy as a sports writer, I guess.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, Time will tell whether he ends up being the best tackle in this draft. But his interesting story is this. He came to Tennessee as a five-star player. And to be frank with you, his first two years, he was a disappointment. He did not play that well. He had lost his confidence. And in my opinion, he also had poor coaching. And they moved him around a little bit, and he he was having trouble finding a home. And then they hire offensive line coach Glenn Ellerby. And Ellerby instilled confidence in Wright. He worked on his fundamentals. Uh, He found a home one year at left tackle, the next year at right tackle. And I think Tennessee thought right tackle was his best NFL position. And he really blossomed. I mean, think about this. He's in the best conference in the country with great pass rushers, and he didn't give up a sack in his last 19 games. That's pretty impressive.
2: You're right. It is impressive. And he handled Will Anderson, which I think elevated yeah. his stock and certainly mm. amplified yeah. just how good he could be. He's a confident young man. Has he always been that way? Did you did, did the fact that he was around through the transition and a lot of rocky times at Rocky Top, did that maybe have him – did his leadership skills emerge because they had to? I think that's
3: true. Now, to your first question, was he always confident? I think when he got to Tennessee as a freshman, he was, but he didn't play well. So I think he had lost the confidence uh, his sophomore year. And then when they had the coaching change, which did him a world of good, I think he regained his confidence. He started playing well. He started, and look, he he wasn't uh, just outstanding in pass protection. He can be a road grader. He's a really good run blocker. But I think as his confidence grew. You saw and it's a combination. It's confidence and it's play. Now, as far as saying was he always was he confident the last two years, we don't know. He didn't do interviews with the media. Uh, I, that was by his choice. I don't know if he felt like he'd been criticized and didn't want to talk to the local media or he was shy. I don't know which it was. But when I saw him doing the interviews, I'm like, Well, it doesn't look like he's too shy, calling himself the best tackle in the country. So uh, but we didn't really get a feel for him the last two years personally because he wouldn't do any interviews
1: Wow that's wild I, I mm. did not know that do did you not think know that yeah I mean was he how does he handle a criticism you know what I'm saying like if it, if that's the reason he's gonna he's gonna presumably be scrutinized quite a bit in Chicago and you would think that that uh, that might be a little bit out of his wheelhouse if he's that yeah. uncomfortable with the media.
3: The, the fair thing to say is I don't know how he handles the criticism. Um, hmm. My my guess is more speculation about why he wouldn't do interviews locally. I mean, I, everybody else on the team was doing them. He's the only player I know that declined to do interviews over the last two years. And, uh, and, again, he was criticized the first couple of years. Is that the reason? That's a guess on my part. I can't think of any other reason why. But... Uh, nonetheless, he is a tremendous football player who got better his last two years at Tennessee, and I think a lot of it had to do with coaching. I, I think coaching can make a world of difference in a quarterback, and a receiver, and in an offensive lineman. And I, I think that the coaching he got is what sort of elevated him to the status of where he is right now.
2: It's a great point, Jimmy. And I also think the greatest ability is availability. And Darnell yeah. Wright comes to the Bears after playing in 42 games for Tennessee did he have any injuries he played through? Was he somebody whose who's, uh, durability was considered a strength all along because he had a very productive college career?
3: His durability was considered a strength. He was always there. And he had the normal Nixon and bruises you're going to get as an offensive lineman. He had nothing to my knowledge that would say, man, nobody else would have played with that injury. I, I don't know about any of that. But I do know he was banged up a little bit. Uh, from time to time, as our most offensive lineman, but uh, no, he was he answered the bell. And the point you made about Will Anderson is is excellent. He also shut down B J Ojolari from LSU. Uh, there wasn't any, I mean, no sacks against the SEC for 19 games. Not obviously not all those 19 games for SEC opponents. I get that, but um, uh, Clemson's got a pretty good defense. He handled them, so he he is really good. And um, and I think I think he's a great pick for the Bears. I think he's a a plug-and-play guy, and I think Justin Fields is going to love
1: him. You know, it's interesting because the way I was told the story just talking to a few people after they made the pick was that they felt that he was probably a a second, third-round pick as a left tackle, that he was not. The the move to right tackle for last year is what put him at a different level, in the opinion of some of the scouts that I talked to. And, And they believe he is... Only a right tackle. They don't believe that he really projects elsewhere in the field.
3: Yeah, and, and he, uh, so he played left tackle most of his junior year. Uh, I'm, look, I'm not a scout, but I thought he was a better player at right tackle. I thought yeah. he was more comfortable uh, at that position. Uh, his last, uh, let me figure you this out, last six games of his uh, junior year at left tackle, he didn't give up a sack. But still, I think he is a better right tackle. And, and I haven't been able to get the coaches at Tennessee to tell me this for sure. But I do think a part of their thinking was he will be a, he's a better fit at right tackle in the NFL and we're going to help him. And he's going to be good either way. But the best position is right tackle. Um, it, he has played left tackle in college. Could he do that in the NFL? Probably. Would he be as effective as he would be at right tackle? Probably not.
2: Jimmy, Josh Heupel's offense, how would you describe it and the pressure it puts on tackles to protect the edge, as well as how much help did they give Darnell Wright at times against some of these really aggressive pass rushes in the SEC? He didn't get much help,
3: and he didn't need it. Now, I'm a believer that a a hurry-up, up-tempo, fast-paced offense can mitigate what could be an average offensive line, because... You're running at such a fast pace, the defense isn't even getting set up. Defensive linemen aren't getting set up. And then next thing you know, after seven or eight consecutive plays, the defensive linemen are tired. And that's of a benefit to an offensive line that's in really good shape. So I do think the offense that Tennessee ran was beneficial to offensive linemen. That does not, however, take away from the fact that I think Darnell Wright was terrific. and so, um, But I do think there's a benefit to running that offense to help the offensive line. It helps a lot of people on offense, but I think it helps the offensive lineman as much as any position.
1: Um, Jimmy uh, Hendon-Hooker went in the third round to the Detroit yeah. Lions, obviously the Bears' uh, division. Uh, how how did blocking for him change things versus less mobile quarterbacks?
3: Well, I, I think that when you block for him, you stay with your blocks. You, you don't just uh, – you realize that he's going to be scrambling around because of his mobility – and so you've got to stay with somebody. You can't just block him and say, "Okay, this is over. I got a pocket pass. Who's going to get rid of the football?" Nope. Hendon Hooker would scramble, and that meant the offensive linemen had to continue to block, stay with their blocks a little bit longer uh, with Hooker there. And, uh, and and Hooker was terrific. He, he was a great decision maker. What, what was interesting to me about Hooker is, my opinion going into the, like when the season was over, I thought this is a third or fourth round draft pick and quarterback. Then I saw where Will Levis and Anthony Richardson were projected in the top five. And I thought, well, he's, he's a better college quarterback than those guys, and I think he's every bit as good as an NFL prospect as those guys. He doesn't have the cannon for an arm, but he was a better decision maker. And so next thing you know, Mike Tannenbaum hasn't gone number five, and I thought, that's too high. <laughs> uh, so he, he ended up going about where I thought he would go in December but not where I thought he would go yesterday or the day before because so many people were projecting that he would be a first-rounder, uh, which I, I did not think a few months ago. But I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. He's smart. He's a leader. Uh, makes good decisions. Very accurate. throw the short ball. He can throw the intermediate, the deep ball. Uh, I think they're going to like him at Detroit.
1: Great stuff, Jimmy. Thanks a ton. Really appreciate all the info. Thanks, Jimmy. Hey, guys, you guys, appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. That is Jimmy Himes from uh, from Knoxville. Pretty good stuff there, David. Really yeah. interesting, huh?
2: Yeah, we have talk. to revisit we that. Get,
1: we gotta get him talking.
2: I don't want to make too much out of that, Molly, but it's impossible to ignore because I wonder why he made a conscious decision, according to Jimmy, not to speak to the media, not to he, be. He was on the score yesterday.
1: He was on the score I, before he did his news conference. I, I know, and he didn't sound like he was shy no, at he all. Didn't. No. No, you seem pretty confident, frankly. Uh, great stuff. Very interesting. And, uh, and we'll break it down a little bit. I, I want to talk about those Lions because they had about as weird and puzzling a first round, and then they actually did okay for themselves maybe. I don't know how you feel about it uh, moving forward. We'll have to do a spin around the division as well. It's Mully and Haw. It is an emergency emergency draft broadcast, and we are uh, here uh, with you until noon and then uh, the the score will just keep it going you got Gabe Ramirez you got uh, a certain gentleman by the name of Mark Grody. and how about Habarkish they're going to take you to uh, 2:30 or so and, and Molly we're going to talk to Dan Weeder next but we'll talk to Dan Weeder next Molly and on the score